Well, good morning. What an excellent time of worship. And uh, I don't know what was happening over this side, but I could hear you all singing wonderfully. And I thought, is it us or is it them? I'm sure the angels were joining with us. Just an excellent time of worship. Thank you, Sam and his band and uh, all those that have just worked so hard to let us be able to worship in that way. Thank you for those of you who brought contributions, that memory that God sees us. So if you think you're too insignificant for God to know, that's not true. He loves you and he knows you and he's interested in you in every way. Um, So I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Um, If you're visiting here today, uh, let me just give you a bit of background. Um, I started uh, talking from Ephesians chapter 6, which is obviously about the armor of God. um, Because when I was reading in uh, 1 Samuel... Uh, we, uh, I, I mentioned this last time, you know, when the, um, <clears throat> uh, the, the Israelites were being um, uh, uh, constantly harried by the Philistines. And uh, the Philistines knew that um, if only the, um, the Israelites could actually get some weapons, then they'd be able to fight back. So they prevented the, um, the, uh, uh, the blacksmiths from producing weapons for them. Oh, they could have... Weapon, they could have, uh, you know, things that would uh, till the soil and so on, but not weapons to fight back. And uh, you had that verse, uh, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. And when I read that, I thought, yes, that's what we must have in the church in this nation. We must have the ministry of the blacksmith once again to enable us to know, actually, we don't have to lay down and just let uh, all sorts of things happen. We actually have the authority of the risen Lord Jesus. The other say, no, we have the weapons of the Spirit and we can pray in the Spirit and we can expect to see God move in our land. And um, yeah, what, a, what an amazing uh, thing it is to, to be able to be part of the church. And what is then our reason for such hope that actually we'll see a change in our nation as we are seeing? What is the reason for that hope? I'll tell you why, what it is. Something radical happened at the cross and at the resurrection that often we forget about. Something radical happened there that changed everything completely. And the very nature of spiritual conflict changed as Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice for us on the cross and declared, it is finished in order that As uh, David so wonderfully uh, preached to us the other day, the curtain, which was keeping people out from the Holy of Holies, was torn and ripped from the top to the bottom in order that ordinary people like you and me could come to know God personally, know the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that exciting? Oh, it is. It's exciting. And it's what uh, gets me up in the morning. And so we find that, uh, 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 don't worry um, if I didn't give you these verses, 1 John 3, 8. It has this reason. It says in the scriptures, for this reason, Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one. 
And uh, at uh, yesterday, at uh, the Holy Spirit Day, I believe we saw works of the evil one destroyed as people came through into freedom. Is that exciting? And um, see, the evil one knows that. He knows that uh, when Jesus died, something cataclysmic happened. But uh, he knows that most Christians don't know that or don't live like that. They don't realize uh, what happened at the cross and the resurrection to produce hope in us. That doesn't mean that we go around feeling we're something. But it means we go around honoring Jesus and giving glory to him. And uh, Neil Anderson, who's written quite a few books, you may have read, uh, books like Bondage Breaker and uh, Out of Darkness, very helpful books if you ever want to read something substantial. He says this, Affirming the truth of Christ's victory and Satan's defeat is the primary step to standing against the enemy's attempts to intimidate us. And so when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 13, uh, it's uh, down a bit, it says this, and we've dealt with the first parts of these already. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything, to stand. Stand therefore, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we looked at how the breastplate of righteousness um, is uh, tied together um, with the belt of truth. And uh, I, th- I think it's, it's true that we said last time that actually often we think we need power. Actually, Jesus has all power. What we need is to have truth in our lives, to know the truth of who we are in Christ. And who and where Jesus is. And where is he at this moment? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing? Interceding for us. Oh, how exciting it is to be in his family. And so, just the last two parts here is verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Often when we're thinking about these little bits of armor, we can get too taken by the actual bits of armor, the helmet of salvation. Oh, I know what that does. Hell, you know, it supports my head and so on. The sword of the spirit. Yes. Well, hey, listen, it's called the helmet of salvation. That's a bit of a clue as to its power and its effectiveness. It's saying actually that we as Christians need to realize that this salvation that we've been brought into, this saving that God has done in our lives by giving his son in our place, actually, salvation gives us more than just protection. It gives us access to God's presence. It gives us a sense of God's and a knowledge of God's peace. 
And it also gives us access to God's plan. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, put on the knowledge of your salvation. Let it encompass your head. Because actually, one of the areas that we as Christians are often attacked in is in our thought life and in and our emotions and all those areas and, and nasty things that get in our head. Oh, you, 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 you're nothing. You, you, you can't do that. And yet the Bible says that actually if Christ is in us, we are more than victorious. And so this salvation that is represented in Paul's mind by the helmet is to encompass our very thinking. I have a verse that I'm going to go on and on about this morning. And uh, it doesn't come from Ephesians. It comes from um, Proverbs. And it's Proverbs uh, chapter 3, and it's verse 5 and 6. And you need to read to this verse, and you could do well to learn it. I use this verse on a regular basis. When I find myself attacked, when I find myself doubting, when I found myself uh, feeling perhaps some way towards depression, I'm not one that gets very depressed. But there are times when sometimes, I, you know, I feel like a cloak comes over me. And I just think, oh, I don't know. And it's this amazing verse, which was written by Solomon. And it is this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. That verse is almost, you know, in, like the, the helmet of salvation that is to go over us. To be reminded, I'm often having to be reminded, trust in the Lord. When I, I face situations, I, 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 like you, it won't be a surprise to you to know that I worry about things from time to time, don't you? All sorts of things here. Oh, how's this going to work out? How am I going to manage this? Will the money go far enough? Will, will, you know, I've heard about this person being sick. Will they get well? Actually, I find God saying, what about that verse then? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. See, the evil one will want us to look away from God and to trust our own understanding. But the Bible says, don't do that. That is defeat. That is allowing the helmet, as it were, to come off. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And then it says, in all your ways. How many ways? How much of all of all? All of all. All of your ways. Acknowledge him. I'm going to have a look this morning at uh, the, the helmet of salvation. And I'm going to look at the sword of the spirit. And then I'm going to go into the Old Testament briefly. And I'm going to look at a very familiar bit of scripture. Where David faces Goliath and puts these things into action. So that's the helmet of salvation. It is to protect your thoughts. And it is to direct your thoughts Godward rather than uh, human thinking and human ways that we, we, we tend to think. And then the next one Paul says in uh, this Ephesians thing is he says, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to illustrate these from David's life in a moment. But the sword of the Spirit, again, is a bit of a, a giveaway, isn't it? It's not just a sword. It's a sword of the Spirit. We're to make use of the sword of the Spirit. And it tells us what it is. What does it say it is? 
the word of God. And I've just used the word of God. So I've illustrated that by giving you Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, which I want you to learn. I would like you to get it into your heart. Don't just have it on your phone so you think, oh, I can find it here. Get it in your heart because it's during times of pressure that you need to know this. It's no good trying to, oh, it's here somewhere. The sword of the Spirit has got to be available in its sheath and able to be pulled out at any moment. When I was a kid uh, uh, and I went to sort of crusaders, they, they used to do uh, a sword drill. And it was, um, the, I can't remember exactly how it went now. But uh, anyway, suddenly uh, the, the leader would shout out a verse and we had to be able to quote it. And uh, it was good fun. But actually it served me well. That there are verses which is like God has, I don't know, engraved on my heart and I can meditate on them. See, often we think, the word of God, oh oh yeah, I read a chapter today. Didn't I do well? Now listen, it's got to get in you. It's got to be your daily bread. It's got to be something that you rely upon. And you can be. Even if you think, oh, I can't remember things. Listen, you can remember scripture because the Holy Spirit will help you because it's the, it's the sword of the Spirit. He wants you to have it. in. So you could, you could help one another. I know this looks a bit, you know, are we going back to Sunday school now? Look, I, I want you to have the word of God, not just on your phone or even on your Bible, but in your heart because that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about having it so it's available, so it's thought about, so it's known, so it's relied upon, so it's lived. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's all areas. And don't lean on your understanding. Why does it say don't lean on your understanding? Because it's the natural way we live. Oh, Think about the natural things, the consequences. And uh, the evil one would love you to think about that. Yes, well, there isn't much in the bank to this month, is there? And you do have some big bills coming, don't you? And, but they're the times where we're to look up. Who is seated at the right hand of the Father? The one who gave himself on the cross to make it possible to have access to the Father. We're to look up. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Turn with me then to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, um, oh, I don't know when you last read uh, this, um, this chapter. And uh, I, I can't, um, I, Andy can't put the whole chapter up on the, uh, on the, Screen, of course, but um, I think I gave him some. To, when I want to get there, Andy, just pop them up there. You know the story, don't you? The Israelites are facing, on a daily basis, uh, the Philistines. And the Philistines have got a champion who's three meters tall. And, and actually, I, I, I've looked up um, you know, uh, people who've been the tallest man. There's a man called Robert Wadlow, who was eight foot 11, so it's pretty close to three meters all right, I, don't, I think he only lived for 22 years, actually, probably because, well, anyway. Uh, so, but it, they, these guys have existed. So every day, it says, the army went out and they stood facing across a valley the Philistines. 
And um, it went on day after day after day. And there's this little fella called David, who you will meet later in your Bibles. He's not King David yet, he's just David. He's, he's probably, what, 16 or 17, I don't know. He's the little brother. And his three older brothers are part of Saul's army. And they are going every day and standing, and I don't know whether they're shouting at the, the Philistines or whatever, chanting or, you know. But anyway, he's told by his dad, look, I, I'd like you to take some cheeses for the, your commander and some bread and so on for your brothers and ask them how they are and bring back a report to me. So he puts the sheep that he's looking after in the hands of another shepherd and he travels to where the battle is. That's how it was. It was like that in England. There used to be a battle, you know. You, know, you lived in a village and the battle was just down the road in the field. It was, it was a different sort of battle to what we have today. So he goes in and while he's there, I mean his brothers are not very well pleased to see him. What do you want, you snivelling little boy? If you come to ask, you know, how we are for dad. They, 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 if you read the scriptures, they weren't very happy with him being there. And then while he's standing there, this Goliath comes out and starts making a, a challenge to the children of Israel. And... Um, he, uh, he uh, what does he say? It says in verse 20, Early in the morning, David left the flock and the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him to, and reached the camp as the army was going out on its battle positions, shouting their war cries. Do you know, we'll come back to that. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other and David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, uh, stepped out <coughs> from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. <coughs> and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give <coughs> excuse me, great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Verse 26, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done? for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what he'd been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. And so David hears this challenge. And do you know, he's got the helmet of salvation on. Because he's not thinking, hey, that guy is three meters tall. He sees him as he is. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He sees the problem as it really is in terms of God's perspective. That's what it means to have the helmet of salvation on where our eyes are fixed on heaven and not on our circumstances. And then it says in verse 25, when, uh, sorry, verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And 
With whom did you lead those few sheep in the wilderness? It was just typical brother stuff. They just thought, oh, little brother coming here, poking his nose around. Who does he think he is? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. <coughs> You've come down only to watch the battle. <coughs> and David, I love the, uh, if you look into the scriptures, I love what he says. Have you ever heard this? Now what have I done? It's very typical, isn't it? Now what have I done? Listen, I had three older sisters. I know exactly what it means to be a youngster. When I was 21, one of my sisters sent me a card and addressed it to Master Norman Blows. I thought, oh dear Sheila, I have grown up since those days. But here they, they just wouldn't let this guy grow up. And who does he think he is? Just get back to your sheep. Verse 29, he says, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to somebody else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul the king. And Saul sent for him. Now, it then goes on to tell us something very important. Verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight for him, a fight against him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out, uh, go out against this Philistine and fight with him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he's defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you see how the helmet of salvation is covering the thought life of David. Yes, he can see the guy. Everybody can see this guy. But actually has an eternal perspective. Salvation is affected his soul and the way he thinks. Yes, this guy is big. But he's standing there and defying the armies of the living God. And what's more, David then looks back to the faithfulness of God in his life. I feel that's something that often Christians don't do. They don't look back at the faithfulness that God has, has, has produced in their lives. And, and actually, he wants us to be able to look back and say, not in our own pride, oh, I did this, I did that. No, when I was at, at my, my least able, God came and rescued me. And he will do it again. Have you got, have you got history like that with God? My dad used to say to me, in <clears throat> a completely different context, he said, the man who never made any mistakes never made anything. Listen, we will attempt things for God and we will fail at times. Not because God has failed, but because we fail. We're, we're human beings. But every failure is an opportunity to learn. Every failure is an opportunity to say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just... Keep my mouth shut at that time or, 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 or let fear grip my soul. I'm going to believe in God. 
Have you done that? Listen, today's a day when you could start if you haven't. Begin to get a history with God. Because this thing of the, 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 uh, <clears throat> the armor of God and so on isn't just something that is sort of put up on the wall. Like you go to a, an old house in, in, in England somewhere and you see all the armor hanging on the wall. Oh, isn't that lovely? No, it's to be used. It's to be worn. It's to be experienced. And that takes time. But fear often will prevent us from actually stepping into a situation where God can start to build history, his history, in us. And we need to let God do that. And, you know, I think John Wimber used to say, faith is is spelt R-I-S-K. There is a risk involved. And we have to take those opportunities as God gives them. and But then, there's something more in this story of David, which helps me as well. <clears throat> if we read on, it says, verse 18, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he wasn't used to them. He's only 16 or 17, and Saul, who's the king, has got all this armor. I can imagine David putting it on and going, it just just couldn't move in the stuff. And actually, he wasn't able to move in it, because that wasn't his history. That was Saul's history of dependence in battle. But actually, he had... His own history with God. And it's interesting what it says here. It says, I, he, David says, I can't go in these. And he said to Saul, because I'm not, I'm, he, said, he said to Saul, I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five small stones from the stream, put them in a pouch in his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Do you see what's happening here? This sword of the Spirit is, 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 oh, give me your sword. No, no. We often look at people, what they're doing in God. We think, that's amazing. I'll, I'll try and imitate them. Now, Paul did say at times, imitate me. But actually, if you see somebody that has faith to pray for the sick, or they're bold and they, they, they talk to people about Jesus in a way that perhaps you think, I could never do that. Or, I don't know, they they bring a a word of prophecy. Or they're amazing at helping people in a way that you think, I could never spend time like that. Listen, don't worry about that. That's their sword of the Spirit. That's the thing they've grown in familiarity with God. But actually, God wants you to develop your own sword of the Spirit, if you can understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're rewriting the Bible. I'm saying the bits of the Bible where God's spoken to you, let that become part of your armour. So although I'm saying, learn Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, and that is a bit of my armor, I'm saying it's a worth armor sharing with you because I found it useful. So find out what, how others get on. You know, I hear Christians say all the time, oh, I, I, I can't pray. Of course you can't. It's one of the most opposed things that we ever do because the devil knows how effective praying is. So if you can't pray then get somebody alongside you who is a two or three steps further ahead and say 
like the disciples did to Jesus, teach me to pray. Don't give up. Don't say, well, it's not me. Because we're called to pray. I learned to pray when, just after I became a Christian. <clears throat> at the camp, actually, where I became a Christian, they then had, a, I don't know what, they, they would have a tent where the boys who wanted to pray, would learn to pray, went to. And I went there. Because I thought, because there were two things that happened when I became a Christian. One was I wanted to read my Bible and I wanted to be able to talk to God. I had a load of things I wanted to say to him. I'd only just become a Christian. And I went to this meeting and there were boys praying and I was sweating like a pig. And I was, I was thinking, how do they do that? Just speaking out loud for me was a very difficult thing. And I said to one of the guys at the end of the meeting, when they'd all gone, I said, I'd like to be able to pray like that. But I, I, I can't get any words out. He said to me, why don't you just write down what you want to say on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket? And next time you come to the prayer meeting, quietly get it out. So not everybody goes, oh, he's reading his prayers. Get it out of your pocket and read it out to God. That's how I learned to pray. What do you mean you can't pray? Of course you can. You could come on a Sunday morning if you want to pray out something. Have it on a bit of paper. I won't be looking. Oh, they got their bit of paper. Find a way of overcoming the things that the evil one would say, oh, you can't do that. No, I can't on my own, but I'm determined to find how I can break through in this area by learning the ways of God. And actually, the way he teaches you will be different to the way he teaches me. David couldn't wear Saul's armour. It just didn't fit him. I remember having a friend of mine, Roger, prophesy over me when we were planting the church in Seven Oaks. And he said to me one day, Norman, I believe this is the word of God for you. Don't try and wear Saul's armour. I've never forgotten it. Never forgotten it. Because you look around and you think, well, I can't do that. And I can't do that. Some of us as Christians, we, 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 we speak out unfaith more freely than we speak out faith. I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. Don't you do it? Do ever, if, you, if, if you're honest, do any of you ever think that? I can't do that. Oh, I couldn't do that. I could never. I could never. And, and it's almost like the angels must be going, oh, for goodness sake. Why don't they read the word of God? Why don't they trust God? Listen, I'm having to trust God. I, some of you think, oh, because I stand up here and preach and I... I'm very bold. I'm not. I, I am a, shri a shriveling jellyfish half the time. <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm not. But, but do you know what I, I do? Another area that builds me up. I, I read stories of Christians who've broken through. I, I read biographies. I'm at the moment, I'm reading um, a book about Corrie Ten Boom about her early childhood, because Ellie and I were talking about it as it came up on the Alpha. I'm getting so much out of it every evening, just, just 10 minutes for I turn the light out. I'm just reading a little bit more of Corrie Ten Boom's early life. And I see, yes, she became a woman that, that helped Jews escape from the Nazis, and she, she was put in a prison camp with her sister, but she, didn't, she wasn't born like that. She... she Grew that history in God. Step by step, trusting God in little ways. Trusting God in, 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 in all the little things of life 
where she found that God was faithful. Have you discovered how faithful he is? If you haven't, don't get condemned as I'm talking. Just get started. And get hold of somebody else in your small group or whatever and say, teach me, help me, tell me how you overcome these things. Tell me how you manage these situations. Because as a body, that's, that's our great benefit, that we can help one another. We're not all supposed to be seeing how much of a pre-Madonna we can all be. Look at me, look at me. You know, we're supposed to be helping one another to grow in God. And we can do. You might be surprised how just the little things that you say, well, I find this works for me. I, I find this is how I learn scripture. You, you might think it's very trivial, but somebody else might say it becomes like a, a mighty weapon in their hand. So David puts off Saul's armor and he goes with what is trusted in terms of his history. And of course, Saul, who's shouting all sorts of things at him, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air. He thinks he's got his own protection. He's relying on himself, but there's one part of him that is vulnerable, and it's his forehead. And David has learned such accuracy with his sling. I don't know how he did it, but he turned that sling round and round. And he turned it, and he lets it go. And in a moment, Saul is utterly Sorry, Goliath is utter, thank you. It's very good to have them in the, the pit here, you know, helping, helping me when I forget my lines. Thank you. Yeah, Norman Zoic on, on the way. No, go on. But actually, he, he became accurate through constant practice. My, my son-in-law is a jazz musician, a very good jazz player. And he said to me some, recently, somebody came and said, oh, I wish I had your gift. He said, do you know what? I find the more I practice, the more the gift comes. <laughs> so my verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding or even lean upon your own failures and your own inabilities. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. That acknowledging of him means, no, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to look away. I'm going to say, I'm gonna, I belong to God. I may fall flat on my face in this moment, but I'm going to fall flat on my face and I'm going to fall forward. And he will direct your path. And David obviously overcame Goliath. I'm going to end with a verse. This is a verse that tickles me. This is a verse that uh, I think of quite often. It, it's a verse that comes, I, I won't go into all the context now, but it actually comes in 1 Kings 20, verse 11. And, um, and I forget actually who, who was involved in this. There was a, a king involved with another king. And it's just this phrase that... Uh, one of the older men said to one of the younger men, he said this, the one who puts his armor on 
should not boast like the one who takes his armor off. Can I repeat that again? It just tickles me. The one who puts his armor on should not boast like the one who takes his armor off. What that means is, don't get defeated. Or even if you've had a success and you just start to put your armor on in learning some scriptures, don't, don't get all look, you know, beyond yourself. No, you're just putting your armor on. You might see people who are further ahead. Yeah, well, they, they, I'm getting near myself to taking my armor off. I am. Quite soon. Who knows when? All right? Be taking my arm off. And, uh, but, but you're put, many of you are putting your armor on. Okay, that's all right. Have a realistic view of it. I'm learning and I'm making progress and I'm building history with the Holy Spirit and I'm seeing what he's doing. But I won't boast about it. I'll trust God that he leads me forward and he helps me and he enables me. I, I just want to give an appeal as I finish now. But there might be things that I've said today where you feel, yeah, that, that's, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm letting things come into my head. I, I'm letting troubles, even diagnosis perhaps of your, of your condition come into your head. Oh, well, that, that's prophetic. And, and actually God wants to say, actually I want to see you if I find victory in those things. In a moment I'm going to ask you if you would stand. Maybe, maybe you, you, you can't do it all in a moment, but you don't commit the scriptures to memory. See, somebody, how much of the Bible have you read? Oh, sometimes I, when I read my Bible, I just read a verse. I just read the verse. I read it again, and I take my dogs out and I think about the verse. That's all I do. I read three chapters. No, I've read one verse. Just start somewhere. Maybe, maybe you say, I haven't done that. Well, I want you to get the sword of the Spirit. And it's not, I don't want it to be flashy. I just want you to la- learn to sharpen it a little bit. Learn to sharpen the sword. That's, you sharpen it by getting it into your heart. Because a day may come when we can't read our Bibles anymore. I don't know. Plenty of nations that's like. Then what do you do? That the, the Word of God's got to be in you. Maybe you want to say, I'd like to make a start on this. And I'm going to ask others to help me. Maybe praying is, is, is difficult. I find praying difficult. But I'm growing in my ability to pray. And to fight through for things. Part of my armor in that area is speaking in tongues. It's a, a gift God's given me. And it's given to many of you. But I use it to help me pray. So this morning I was out with my dogs for three quarters of an hour. And probably most of the time I'm praying in tongues. When you're going to preach, you jolly well pray. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Oh God, help me. But actually, if you've got that gift, use it. Use it. I I love it. I watch rugby quite a lot. You know, when they've got, you know, somebody's been tackled and the that all the guys put, they will stand like this, don't they? And then when the ball gets to the point where it's going to be taken out, what does the ref say? Use it! So I want to say over the scriptures, use it! Get back in the game! Now, if anything I've said this morning is relevant to you, I'm going to ask you if you'd stand, and I'm going to ask you to put your hands out, and I'm going to pray for you. 
And I'm going to do what I often do, which is ask you to take a step forward. But can I just, before I say that, say one more thing. You know what preachers are like? When the army, before David defeated Goliath, it says they went out and they shouted battle cries. It's not sufficient for the church just to learn how to shout battle cries. We've got to learn to put it into practice. And so when I ask you in a moment to take a step, and you're taking a step not before me, but before God, say, Lord, I'm going to make some effort to grow in this area. Actually, having done that, it's only the beginning. Others can come alongside you and help you. Now, if anything I've said is spoken to you this morning, would you stand with me, please? I'm just going to ask you to put your hands out to God. Would you put your hands out to God? If you're, if you're not standing, you can still put your hands out to God. Holy Spirit, we want to see the ministry of the blacksmith, once more amongst us. We want to see how, as a church, we can encourage one another in good works. We want to see how we can encourage one another to overcome things that look as though they're fatal in our lives. They'll never be not in our lives. But Lord, we're going to look to you. Lord, that verse helps us. It says, trust in the Lord with all our heart. And not lean on our own understanding." but in all our ways to acknowledge you. And you make a promise, Lord, that you would direct our paths. Lord, in our minds now, each of us has got something that we're wanting to bring before you. Lord, we want to learn a history with the armour of God that you are putting around us. And I ask you now, we ask you now, will you help us, Lord? If, you want, if you're asking God to help you, I'd like you to just to take a small step forward. Just before the Lord, and I'm doing that as well, because there are areas I'm just determined to grow in. I'm saying, it's not by, I'm not ignoring grace or anything. I'm not trying to earn salvation here. I'm just saying, Lord, I want to grow in God. And I want to be a man or a woman of God. I want to see your kingdom come. And I want to realize who I am in Christ because you have done it all that I might stand. Father, let me just pray. I'm just going to pray in tongues over you. It doesn't need an interpretation, but I'm just going to pray over the... Would you let the Spirit come on you as I pray? O preto sibericatra, pelemeniaros subuquetro, retro siatro siminiaros, fuela baliaros quetro. Oh, my dear Father, I pray for my friends. Father, will you strengthen them now? Will you strengthen weak knees? Will you put strength in arms, O God, to handle the word of God rightly? Help us, Lord. May our eyes be fixed on you in all our ways. For we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, that your kingdom may come and your will may be done. In Jesus' name.